1: MTV's official challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. September 4th, 2018.
2: From Comedy Central's World News headquarters in New York, this is The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Tonight, ladies and gentlemen, DeRay McKesson is here. <laughs> we'll be talking about his new book on this side of freedom. But first, let's catch up on today's headlines. Today, Bob Woodward, the reporter who brought down Richard Nixon, gave us a sneak peek of his brand new book that might bring down Trump. I mean, it probably won't, but it's pretty funny. Some stunning, breaking news. Even in this administration, two years in, explosive new details from legendary journalist Bob Woodwork's new book about President Trump. Listen to this. This guy is mentally retarded Trump said of Sessions. He's the dumb Southerner, Trump told Porter, mocking Sessions by feigning a Southern accent. Okay, I don't know what's worse, the fact that the President of the United States is running around calling people retarded, or the fact that the person he called retarded is his Attorney General and his first major political supporter. You realize that? Also, it's pretty weird that Trump is running around doing accents when he hasn't even mastered his own. <laughs> you talk so funny. <laughs> like, it's also disgusting and hilarious at the same time, because now I'm picturing Trump in the White House acting Southern, just running around like, yee I'm a real <laughs> Southern gentleman. Look at me, drinking moonshine, making sex with my daughter. <laughs> In other news, while we were away, as you know, Senator John McCain passed away. It was a somber moment for the country. But if you were watching NBC when they interrupted their normal programming to break the news, it was even more of an emotional roller coaster because this is what actually aired. Breaking news NBC News confirming the death of Senator John McCain at the age of 81. This has been an NBC News special report. We will return to our regular programming on the NBC network. Our live coverage continues on MSNBC. I mean, it it looks bad, but... But how was NBC gonna know John McCain would die when they were showing half-naked dudes dressed as dolphins <laughs> jerking each other off? I, I, how would they know that? Now, in case you're confused, this was an episode of America's Got Talent, uh, a show <laughs> that has clearly been on too many years. <laughs> Cause I mean, it started out with kids doing backflips through fire, and now next season's winner is just gonna be a guy unjamming a laser printer. Like, what is this? <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was funny to see something so serious cut to something so ridiculous. I feel like that's what's going on constantly in President Trump's brain. Like, they'll be like, sir, the North Koreans have deployed a nuclear missile. He's like, ah, yes, very bad, very bad, very bad, very bad. (laughs) All right, let's move on to our top story. (laughs) You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know that America under Trump is more politicized than ever. Because although this country has always had its issues, people used to be able to escape by turning off the news. But now politics is just like a track featuring Cardi B. It's everywhere you go. (laughs) And just this week, politics even reached the moon
1: This morning, a controversy over Ryan Gosling's upcoming movie, First Man. It explores the life of astronaut Neil Armstrong, the first man to walk on the moon. But the film is coming under fire weeks before its release for a moment from that historic mission that isn't shown.
2: The film, which premiered Thursday at the Venice Film Festival, does not include that famous moment where the American flag is planted on the moon's surface.
1: Several conservatives are even pushing for possibly a boycott of the film. But actor Ryan Gosling, who plays Armstrong, defended the decision by saying that Armstrong's moonwalk transcended countries and borders. This was widely regarded, uh, in the end, as a human achievement. I don't think that Neil viewed himself as an American hero.
2: Okay, Ryan Gosling is such a beautiful idiot, all right? (laughs) Like, when Neil Armstrong stepped on the moon, he didn't say, this is a giant leap for mankind. He said, one small step for man, America! America! Yeah! You didn't hear it because of the vacuum in space. (laughs) Now, honestly, like, I don't understand why conservatives are so angry that they're planning to boycott a movie about America landing on the moon. Because apparently there are American flags throughout this movie, right? They just didn't show the exact moments that Armstrong placed the American flag on the moon. Right, but no one is gonna walk out of that movie and be like, wait, were those astronauts Korean? I couldn't tell. <laughs> and also on the other side, I, I don't think that Ryan Gosling is right, right. I don't think that it wasn't an American thing. The moon landing was very much an American thing. And to be honest, as someone from the rest of the world, we don't want credit for America's moon landing. Right? Cause I don't know what happened up there. All right, we saw the astronauts come down, they planted the flag and then the video cuts off. Right? For all we know, as soon as that clip ended, they did a genocide of all the native moon people. They just buried them in a mass grave somewhere on the dark side of the moon. And then someday, the moon people are gonna come down to Earth and be like, you guys did this to us. And we'll be like, ah, no, we didn't do that. The Americans did it. (laughs) Can you see the flag? The flag? That that wasn't us, the flag. But still, but still, either way, many conservatives have said that they will be boycotting this movie. And then the liberals said, oh yeah? Well, we'll boycott something too.
0: Facing mounting pressure, the New Yorker has dropped plans to interview Steve Bannon during its festival. Next month, the former Trump aide was supposed to be a featured guest at the New Yorker's prestigious gathering, but numerous celebrities and even some New Yorker staffers scheduled to attend the event threatened to pull out if Bannon participated.
2: Okay, I I don't know what the New Yorker magazine was thinking. I mean, like, How are you gonna invite a white nationalist like Steve Bannon to be the headline interview for your Ideas Festival? I mean, this is a man whose least offensive idea is that scabs are edible. (laughs) And because of Bannon, because of Bannon, many people canceled, right? John Mulaney pulled out, Jim Carrey pulled out. I was so offended by this that I refused to even be invited months ago, (laughs) months ago. Seriously, like I, like, I don't know how the New Yorker didn't see this backlash coming. Like, you invite Steve Bannon to anything and there's gonna be backlash. Like, there have been raccoons who have left the dumpster because Steve Bannon <laughs> dropped in for a visit. But in any case, now many liberals say that they'll be breaking up with the New Yorker. And then just yesterday came the biggest boycott news of all. Nike launched their new campaign to celebrate 30 years of just do it, right? Including an ad with Colin Kaepernick that says, believe in something even if it means sacrificing everything. Yeah, which seems really uplifting with Kaepernick's photo, but it's also the motto of many gambling addicts. Don't forget. (laughs) Now, (laughs) millions of people, millions of people love this ad. I love how some of you are catching it later. (laughs) Millions of people love this ad. Like it went viral all over the internet, but then the other
0: shoe dropped. Some outrage after Nike picks Colin Kaepernick as the new face of its 30th anniversary Just Do It campaign. This is scummy, this is lousy,
2: this is rotten, and I'm never buying another Nike product again, and I think millions of Americans are gonna agree. Several people posting videos on social media burning Nike shoes, ripping logos off their clothing. Wow. People are so angry they're burning their own shoes. (laughs) You realize Nike already has your money, right? (laughs) They've already got your money. You're only hurting yourself. Like, I would love to see how they would protest Home Depot. All the walls in my house must go! And also, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know about you, but those flaming Nikes just make me want to pay even more. Like, look at them. It's like, it's almost like an ad. It's like, those shoes so fast, he burst into flames, man. And I'm not gonna lie, I I love this campaign. I love the idea of the campaign. I love what Ka- Colin Kaepernick is doing. But, but honestly, I, I do feel a little bit bad for all of these people who are out there on the alt-right and conservative, because you realize we live in a world now where brands are taking stands on political issues, but they don't give anyone a warning first. They just spring it on you. Yeah, some of these dudes were walking out of the store yesterday with their new Nikes, and people were like, yeah, resist! And they're holding the box like, wait, what? No, 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 I just needed arch support, no! So as it stands, some people say they're now gonna buy Nikes to support Colin Kaepernick's protest, and others say they'll never buy Nikes again because the shoe disrespects the troops. All I know is it's only a matter of time before we ask as many questions about the politics of a product as the product itself. It's gonna be us walking into stores with the service guy coming up like, hey buddy, can I help you with anything? Be like, yeah, I really wanna buy this toaster, but first, what are its views on abortion? Can you let me know?
1: (laughs) We'll be right back. Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome
2: back to The Daily Show. So, America could soon get a new Supreme Court justice, which we'll be covering all week in our brand-new segment, So You Think You Can Judge. Today was day one of the Senate Judiciary Committee's confirmation hearings for Brett Kavanaugh, President Trump's Supreme Court nominee and guy who definitely reads all the reviews before he buys a garden hose. And I know Brett Kavanaugh is not a Supreme Court justice sounding name, right? Supreme Court judges are supposed to have names like Oliver Wendell Holmes and Thurgood Marshall. Like Brett Kavanaugh sounds like a name of a relief pitcher with a disgusting goatee. That's what it sounds like. But, but. Kavanaugh actually has a long resume, right? He's been a federal judge for over a decade, and before that, he was a lawyer in the Bush White House. And before that, he was an egg in his mother's womb. But (laughs) what what makes his possible appointment so crucial isn't who he is, it's what he believes. You see, as a judge, he's much more conservative than the man that he would replace, Justice Anthony Kennedy. And that could have serious, lasting consequences, because if Kavanaugh gets confirmed, he'll become one of the nine people in the country who get to decide all of America's rules. Everything from abortion rights to voting procedures, uh, affirmative action, uh, video game rules. Yeah, that's what they decide as well. The Supreme Court said uh, you can do celebrations after a touchdown now in Madden. That was them, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Ginsburg, we appreciate it. But, but Kavanaugh could have serious power. So obviously everybody is really invested in this week's hearings. And no one is pulling for Kavanaugh more than the president himself. And. Uh, Tell me if, uh, you can
1: figure out why. He has said in the past he does not believe sitting president should be subject to criminal investigations. Oh!
2: <laughs> you know, for all the shit that Trump hides, he's also the most transparent president ever. <laughs> While he's being investigated, he nominates a guy who thinks presidents shouldn't be investigated. Like, Trump's not even hiding his evil plan. Like... Like, this guy was probably horrible at hiding his affairs. He was like, Melania, I'll be home late tonight, and it's not because I'm having sex with Stormy Daniels. Bye-bye now! (laughs) (laughs) Bye-bye! Now... Now, people who are not under investigation by a special counsel might want to know more about Brett Kavanaugh, but they can't, because Republicans are currently blocking the release of 100,000 pages of documents from Kavanaugh's time working in the Bush administration. And even more dickishly, Republicans did release 42,000 pages of other documents, but only last night's. Yeah, which is just mean. I mean, you can't read that much in one night. That's not even enough time to get through the new Eminem album, right? <laughs> I mean, I know it's only 11 tracks, but you have to keep rewinding it just to be like, wait, did he rhyme ostentatious with black? How does he do that? <laughs> So with all this shadiness, people are coming out pretty hard against Kavanaugh. There's been protests, there's been rallies, there's been speeches, people even showed up today dressed in Handmaid's tail costumes. Yeah, that's a real thing. But apparently Republicans prepared for this because believe it or not, they held mock hearings for Kavanaugh where Republicans pretended to be protesters so that he could get used to it. Yeah, which is hilarious because now I'm just picturing Mitch McConnell acting like a resistor. <laughs> He's just there like a hand off my uterus. Ma, <laughs> ma. This pussy grabs back. Ma, ma. So, so because of all of this, this week's hearings are shaping up to be one of the ugliest ever. In fact, just listen to how the first minute of day one went. Good morning. I welcome everyone to this confirmation hearing on the nomination of Mr. Judge Chairman, Brett Kavanaugh. Mr. Chairman. To serve as Associate Justice. Mr. Chairman, I would like Supreme to be recognized Court, for a United question States. before
1: we proceed. The committee received just last night, less than 15 hours ago,
0: 42,000
1: pages of documents that we have not had an opportunity to review or read or analyze. We cannot possibly move forward, Mr. Chairman, with this. I extend hearing, a very warm welcome to we have not to been Judge given Kavanaugh an opportunity to have a meaningful his wife, hearing There are two daughters. Mr. Chairman,
2: I agree with my colleague Senator
1: Harris. God
2: damn. Chuck Grassley does not give a (laughs) They were shouting at him from all directions and he didn't stop. Like, I wondered, did they prepare him for that as well? Did they just put him in the New York subway? And they were like, no matter what happens, just keep reading. And everyone in line was like, I'm sorry to interrupt, but uh," people were like, it's showtime! Some people were like, you want to buy some candy? Everyone was just standing over him. Someone was jacking off in front of him. And nobody was distracting him. And then finally they were like, how do you not get distracted? And he was like, you think this freaks me out? I work with Ted Cruz. (laughs) We'll be right back. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. My guest tonight is a civil rights activist, host of the crooked media podcast, Pod Save the People, and author of the new book called On the Other Side of Freedom, the Case for Hope. Please welcome DeRay McKesson. It's
0: good to be Good to see you.
2: good to be back. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's good to be back. This is crazy because you're one of the few people who has been on the show twice. You look older. Thank you. <laughs> I'll take uh, distinguished, I think I would prefer. Oh, yeah. uh, you're also one of the few people who's worn the exact same outfits. Oh, <laughs> oh No, not in a bad way, not in a bad way. Like, I gave you one last time as a gift. Do you yeah, still have it? Is I it... do, but I don't wear it all the time. Tell, no, 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 you know, you know what's great? Like, honestly, I, like I didn't know many of the stories behind, behind the why. Many people know you, DeRay, they go, oh, blue vest, DeRay, we know the vest, we know the vest. I've seen this vest, I saw it when it looked new. I see it when it looks like now. <laughs> I just watched it. But, but, the, but the story in the book about the why really touched me. Why do you wear that vest and why do you keep that exact same vest?
0: Yeah, people forget that we were in the street in Ferguson for 400 days, you know. So if you ever saw us marching, it wasn't that we thought marching was cool. It was it was illegal to stand still in August, September, and October 2014. If we stood still for more than five seconds, we were arrested. And I think about the vest. We were there for so long that it got cold, and I needed something that would keep me warm. And this kept me warm. If it got too cold, I put a hoodie on under it, and that right. was good. And I keep wearing it because it reminds me that that stuff was real. You know, like I had this vest on when I was tear gas, when I was shot at with, uh, with rubber bullets, like when I hit under my steering wheel, all those. Things, and this keeps me like grounded in the fact that that stuff happened to me
2: right when you when you look at that journey and we look at the book on the other side of freedom the case for hope
0: yeah do you
2: feel like you're hopeful about america's trajectory
0: yeah, yeah. I think about hope as a belief that our tomorrows can be better than our todays. And I think about hope as like real work, not hope is magic. Right. And I am hopeful. My faith wavers a little bit. Faith is about certainty. And like sometimes I'm not certain we're going to win. But do <laughs> I think that we can win? I certainly, I'm, I'm hopeful in that way. Oh, that's really interesting. So so you, you're someone
2: who's been on, um, you know, the front lines of many discussions. You know, it was Black Lives Matter. You're one of the faces that people turn to to try and, and explain the idea. I mean, people were like, is this anti-cop? Is this anti-white people? Is this anti-everything that is not black and you had to speak on that and you know uh, you've spoken out uh, on many issues you, you you've seen yourself as somebody who wants to speak about what's happening in the world the book is about a combination of two things it's you and your personal life yeah. and then the world that we now live in today how do you think who you are as dorae mckesson affected how you see the world today
0: Yeah, you know, it was important for me to talk about some of the personal stuff. I've never written about being a gay black man in the movement or in the world. I write about that. My mother left when I was three, came back when I was 30. I write about these things because they shape the way that I think about memory, the way that I think about identity. But then I write about some of the stuff that you'd expect, right? Like the police, the protests. I'll ask you, uh, name something you can buy for $300. Name something
2: you can buy for $300. Uh, Seven copies of Madden.
0: (laughs) Today, in Florida, theft over $300 is a felony, and if you become a felon, you permanently lose the right to vote, which is wild, right? But when people think about felons, they think that everybody, like, robbed a bank, right, killed 10 people. Right. But it's like, imagine, like, losing the right to vote as an 18-year-old because you, like, stole seven, seven copies? Yeah. Seven copies. Well, not me. Not of, me. No. <laughs> no, not me. But seven yeah. copies of Madden. Right. And you, you know, what's That's funny is wild.
2: You talk about all of these things. Like, there's a section in the book here where you really go into the statistics, and what's interesting is when you're talking about police violence, specifically, you speak about police violence across the board. So it's not like a, like a black issue. Just go Americans. This is how many American people have been killed by the police. And you have a year where 1,000 people were shot by the police, which is a, a high number for any country in the world. And then you see a disproportionate number of that amount of people being black as well. Yeah. What was even scarier was that these statistics weren't being counted in any way, shape, or form.
0: If you get killed in this country and a newspaper doesn't write about you, you literally don't exist in the database because the government doesn't keep the data. So we know the rainfall in Missouri in 1830, and literally don't know anything about police violence in the past year. That's sort of while a third of all the people killed by a stranger in this country is actually killed by an officer. Like one in eleven homicides in California is actually committed by an officer. So this is like a big, it's a big deal. Part of the the data work we did was like myth busting. You know, black people right. are actually more likely to be unarmed and not threatening somebody than any other person who encounters a police in a violent situation. That's like, people don't know that stuff. So we wanted to like lay it bare so people could not perpetuate these myths about the movement.
2: Now, when when you look at the myths around the movement, I mean, you cannot escape the conversation and the narrative that's happening now. Colin Kaepernick, the NFL, the Nike commercial that comes out, um, Colin came out and said, hey, I'm protesting uh, injustice, uh, you know, at the hands of police in this country. People then said, no, what you're protesting is America and the troops and the anthem. Do you think that there is another way that he could have protested? Do you think that there is any way for black people to protest in America that's acceptable?
0: You know, it doesn't seem like it. It's like we just stand outside and people are like, you're threatening. It's like white people in Charlottesville were like pushing the police. They were like pushing them. Like if I'd done that, if i done that, I'd be like an in-memoriam sort of moment on The Daily Show right now. Like pushing the police. It's just a tombstone with your vest. Yeah, that is like If I, like, push the police, people, it would be a wrap, you know? But, like, they get to do all that stuff. I think that what's interesting about Colin is that he's just talking about simple truths. Colin is literally like, racism is real and present. And people are like, oh, my goodness. And you're like, that's sort of what he said. He's saying that we shouldn't play, uh, like, musical chairs with the status quo. We should actually, like, change things at the root. That's, like, what Colin's saying. That's not dramatic that's sort of basic you know what i mean so have you find have you found a way
2: to protest in a way like have you have you ever protested and found somebody on the other side saying oh now that i've seen you protest i i understand what you're saying or do you find that the protest just incites more like what what is the purpose of your protest then
0: i will say now i'm like pretty chill about the way i talk about it so i was at something not too long ago, and this guy he's like i read chapter three he got an advanced copy he goes Dre, are you saying the police should never kill somebody and i say do you have any kids and he's like yeah and i'm like well when should the police kill your child He's like, I don't know. I'm like, well, I don't know either then, right? Like, part of it is, like, how do we put the work back on other people to have to grapple with this stuff? Like, I'm not here to give speeches all day. Like, I'm here to help us think about these issues. And, you know, I talk about in the book some of the laws, like in California, there's a law that says that any investigation of an officer that lasts more than a year can never result in discipline regardless of the outcome. You can love the police and think that doesn't make sense. In Cleveland, they destroy police officer disciplinary records every two years. You can love the police and think that that doesn't make sense, you know? Right, right, right. That's, a, that's a,
2: it's an insane story. And honestly, what I loved about the book was the combination of the dates of the anecdotal stories and this journey that you are on where to from here? I've always wondered, do, do, do you see yourself running for office? Do you see yourself as always just being in the activist space? Like, what is what is DeRay's dream?
0: Ah, hopefully I look back on this, I'm like, we won, right? I'm like, we changed all these right. laws and policies. That's what I want. You know, I'd be remiss if I didn't shout out B-Day because it is Beyoncé's birthday as well today. Birthday, yeah. That it is. That it is. Rumor has it that Beyoncé kissed you on the stage at the ESPN. No, I would, I would have re- like, I
2: That's handed amazing. her a thing when they were honoring Colin Kaepernick and she was just nice like, hello, and then people were like, you you kissed Beyonce. I was like, I did not kiss Beyonce. I would have remembered that and right. I would not have washed my cheek like you don't wash the vest. That's what I've- I <laughs> I'm messing with you, man. Thank yeah, you so man. much for being on the show. I appreciate it so much. On the other side of freedom, a really fantastic book is available now. Duray McKesson, everybody.